What you are listening to is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual NBA podcasters with a case pending in the No Dunks Municipal Court. Both parties have agreed to make their case how a particular team should approach the trade deadline and have their dispute settled here in our forum. The Trade Deadline Court. Our first case, number 4740, pertains to the Toronto Raptors, who currently sit in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. There are a number of directions the defending champs can go as we approach the trade deadline. Trey Kirby is confident they should be active sellers, while Lee Ellis is convinced they could be buyers. Let's hear their arguments. All rise. The Honorable Judge Tass Mellis presiding. Thank you. This court is now in session. We are just over four weeks from the NBA trade deadline, meaning it's crunch time for each NBA franchise. Front offices must make the future-altering decision. Are we a buyer or are we a seller? They can't take those choices lightly, and either will I. No messing around in my courtroom. I won't stand for anyone straying from the truth. I will find that truth through my questioning because I am fair. I am confident that things will be kept professional because before me are two of the best NBA attorneys making the case for either side. First up, Mr. Kirby. After winning the title, you believe the Raptors should tear it down. Let's hear what you have to say. First and foremost, uh, Judge Mellis, thank you for hearing our case today. Uh, My colleague, Lee Ellis Shirley, will present to you some exciting arguments regarding why the Raptors should continue along this path of chasing perhaps a repeat title. And I can't deny this has been a fun season for the Raptors. They've done a great job as defending champions. They've been a lovable, enjoyable team to watch. You can't underestimate the heart of a champion. But gentlemen, the Raptors need to sell. You can't let a surprise title sway you because Toronto now knows title teams. And this is not a title team. Exhibit A. The Raptors are 5-12 against teams that are over 500 this season. If you extrapolate that to the Eastern Conference elite the Raptors are just 2-5 and five against the Bucks, 76ers, Celtics, and Heat Exhibit B. Valuable contracts. The Raptors have a lot of them. Kyle Lowry, $33 million this year, $31 million next year. You don't think another team would be interested in having a championship caliber point guard on their team? How about Marc Gasol, $25 million this year, nothing next year. Get him out of here. He could help another championship team or even Norman Powell. He's got one of the rare tradable contracts in the league, just $10 million this season. He's got another couple years on his deal after that. But these are all deals that could easily be moved should the Raptors decide to do so. And that brings me to my final exhibit, Exhibit C, Masai Ujiri's plan, which all along was to retool the Toronto Raptors franchise before he brought in Kawhi Leonard, even after he brought in Kawhi Leonard. If everything goes poorly, they can just blow it up and start all over again. Things didn't go poorly. They went perfectly. But the plans still exist. If you want to really be the new Spurs, prove to me that you're not just a one-time flash-in-the-pan champion. Prove that your winning culture can continue to build a new contender. Mr. Kirby, Kirby, you bring up the San Antonio Spurs. (laughs) Would the San Antonio Spurs tear it down and just trade their parts? Guys who help them win the championship, help bring smiles to the faces of the people who have been grim for so long in that arena. You make a good point, Judge Mellis. <laughs> I can't deny it. The Spurs wouldn't do such a thing. But these are the new Spurs. Masai Ujiri is a trading kind of guy, and he's ready to put his stamp on a franchise. He's put a stamp 
on a couple already. He's got the Nuggets. They were great. He's got the Raptors. They won a champion. But some of those pieces were still there. Now is the time for this to be Masayu Jiri's team. And Masayu Jiri's team only. Blow it up. I, uh, let me ask you one question. I, I really appreciate you bringing all those exhibits to the court. We appreciate facts in this institution. But let me ask you. Yes, not great record against plus 500 teams. But why can't they make it to the Eastern Conference Final? Wasn't it mere weeks ago we were talking about this team in the same breath as the Milwaukee Bucks. It wasn't, didn't, doesn't seem that long ago. And maybe, uh, maybe I don't have the facts, but maybe, maybe <laughs> there is a chance. Yeah, there's been talk that the Raptors could go back to an Eastern Conference Finals. But the game has changed. The Raptors don't want to go to Conference Finals anymore. They want to keep their cap clean. They want to pursue Giannis Antetokounmpo in 2021, and they want to go back to an NBA Finals and lock down another championship, hang another banner right next to that Tim Hortons at Scotiabank Arena. Well, thank you for your time. Lee, Why well, make the case why, why the Raptors should be buyers. Well, I think Mr. Kirby uh, references the San Antonio Spurs, and I think Mr. Masai Ujiri would love to have the history and the record over the last 20-plus years of the San Antonio Spurs Obviously, they never repeated, but they were always there uh, being a contender. And I think that's really where Masai Ujiri finds himself. If you look back at his record, he basically traded Kyle Lowry away from the Raptors. He thought he was going to rebuild then. That trade fell apart. And since then, the Raptors have actually become good. Last season, Masai Ujiri swung for the fences twice, and both times they pulled off before the season. Gave up beloved DeMar DeRozan to get Kawhi Leonard, knowing there was a risk there that Kawhi wouldn't stay. And second of all, at the trade deadline, when a few other teams started making a few moves, Masai Ujiri traded another beloved figure in Jonas Valanciunas in order to get Mark Gasol. So why wouldn't he again this season when he still has Mark Gasol? He still has Kyle Lowry. In fact, he re-signed Kyle Lowry for one more season, knowing that this team isn't done with yet. They are still a chance because in the Eastern Conference, I don't think anybody, even the Milwaukee Bucks, as impressive as they have been, have really put their stamp on the conference because the Raptors beat the Milwaukee Bucks last season. How did they beat them? Well, they, they were had down. Kawhi Leonard. They did sorry, have Kawhi sorry, Leonard. Sorry, sorry, sorry. They uh, did have Kawhi sustained. Leonard. <laughs> you are correct. They did have him, and he's not there anymore. But there is a player out there available who could play a similar role to what Kawhi did on the defensive end. That gentleman is no. We know he hasn't played this season, but we know he keeps himself in great shape. He wants to go to a team that can, could contend, and that is Andre Iguodala. He's out there. So if you're Messiah Jury, you've got some contracts out there. You've got a Norm Powell. You've got a Pat McCoy. You've got a second round of hell. If you've got a first rounder even, why not go for it this season? Are we going to allow that kind of language in this courtroom? <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? That, that gentleman can me pop as many... professional. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. Maybe he hasn't worked on a microphone too many times. He can pop as many peas as he'd like. <laughs> Masai Jury is, is not the sort of guy who wants to sit around and worry about next season. He wants to worry about this season. Kyle Lowry has shown by his play, he believes the Raptors can get back to the championship this season. So why not surround Kyle? Show him that why you gave him that, uh, that $31 million contract for next season, you're going to do everything in your power to make the Raptors a contender again. You, Trey, also, uh, Mr. Kirby also mentioned the, uh, the Raptors' uh, struggles against teams over 500 during the regular season. Well, last season in the playoffs, the Raptors did rather well against teams over 500, even when they were down and looked out. They kept on fighting. If well, let me, let me ask you something about Masai Ujiri. You, you said that he traded DeMar DeRozan. That's totally true. Why wouldn't he trade Kyle Lowry? He is that cutthroat, that type of individual. 
he wants to build a, a prolonged winner, a, a sustainable winner. Why wouldn't he trade Kyle Lowry for an asset? Why wouldn't he trade Serge Ibaka for an asset? Why wouldn't he trade Marcus Gasol for an asset? Isn't he doing a disservice to his franchise by not trading those guys? He made his case fairly clear by extending Kyle Lowry, saying, hey, Kyle, we don't think this was just a one-season flash in the pan. We believe we can go back to the promised land again this season. So rather than trade those guys, knowing that Gasol's a free agent next season, knowing that Ibaka's a free agent next season, this is the season that Masai Ujiri wants to put his chips all in the middle and say, we're going to go for it. Maybe we come up short, but at least I'm going to show those guys like Kyle and Mark and Serge, this is the season I'm trying for it. I'm not worried about next season. We'll worry about then, that, then. I appreciate Mr. Kirby, Mr. Ellis. You bringing all of those facts and those passionate statements to my courtroom. It is time for my ruling. Uh, and although the assets the Raptors would receive in trades for Lowry Gasol or Ibaka would add to the pile, undoubtedly, I don't think there would be anything better than what they have built, built already in their depth and in their G League. So I don't think it's worth denying the fans a chance at a repeat for the first time in history. The Toronto Raptors should be buyers. Let's move on, Bailiff. Our second case, number 12821, pertains to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who currently find themselves comfortably in the seventh spot in the Western Conference. They're definitely one of the league's biggest surprises, but some pundits think they should take their foot off the gas, maybe strike while the iron's hot, and make moves for the future. Lee Ellis wants OKC to be active buyers at the deadline. Trey Kirby says sell now, sell high. This should be good. The Thunder. Who would have thought this would have even be a debate after what they did in the offseason? Mr. Ellis, you believe they are actually in a position to go for it. Please tell the court why you think they've gotten to that place. Coming into this season, I was one of the few believers that OKC might be okay with Chris Paul leading a team of lesser-known stars. It didn't start off too well, but lately it's gotten very, very nice. 8-2 and two in their last 10, including a tight one last night against the Philadelphia 76ers. So I think the Thunder in a position, their future is already bright. Sam Presti has accumulated so many future draft picks that they will pay off in time. Right now you have an opportunity on this team to maybe cause a little bit of a ruckus in that Western Conference as there's a few teams like the Denver Nuggets and like the Houston Rockets who are in their second and third position right now a little unproven come playoff time. The Thunder have a team here of some veterans, led again, as I say, by Chris Paul. Let me ask you something about Chris mm. Paul. You said those top teams are unproven. Chris Paul, somewhat proven to be an injured player. Can you bank on this man turning 35 in a few months? From what I've seen so far this season, Chris Paul certainly looks rejuvenated, refreshed even. Hmm. He doesn't have to The deal. fountain of youth, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps he's found that fountain of youth. Now, listen, this it is It was where... in Oklahoma this whole time? <laughs> no well, wonder no one found it. It originally was he's in lying Oklahoma. lying under a tumbleweed. <laughs> Remember, he was in Oklahoma all those years ago when he had one of his best seasons. Mm. Anyway, the reason I think they should be a, a, a buyer, though, is because... Hey, hey you're not sustaining anything, Mr. Kirby. That's my job. <laughs> is is they, they still need a couple of uh, a, a couple of strengths that I think are out there they need a little bit more three point shooting and they certainly need a little bit more help for Stephen Adams in the middle they have Nerlens Noel I wouldn't call him necessarily a big banger he's athletic at times but they need a little bit of help I think a guy like a Marcus Morris could help them a little bit of toughness good three point shooter they could also I don't believe I'm going to say this 
Kevin Love could help this team in the short term. In the short term. I know he brings a big, fat, juicy contract, but that would be okay for where the Thunder are in the in the next coming seasons. But also, there's a guy like Aaron Gordon, athletic guy, could help defend. Three-point shooting's a little bit iffy, but he's available. And I think, again, when you're Sam Presti, you have so many future assets. Why not uh, dangle one or two of those first-round picks you've got? Why not just see what's out there and maybe make this team... Um, a little more even balance, give Chris Paul a little bit more help, and they could, I've already said in a, a previous show, they could make a first-round upset, and then who knows after that. I don't, want, I don't watch other TV and what, <laughs> what you say on other shows, Mr. Ellis, but you said they're seventh in the West, good teams ahead of them that maybe are unproven that they could upset. What do you actually think the ceiling for this team is, or are they a, a team that just can come to the playoffs, maybe eke out a win or two, and then be bounced. Is it worth it? What is their ceiling? I, I think it's worth it given uh, the fact that when they acquired Chris Paul, it was assumed he was just going to be moved on somewhere else. That hasn't happened largely because I believe of Chris Paul's contract. Well, now he's there and he's performing and he's playing well. I think you may as well take your chances right now with what you have on the Thunder. Again, the future is very bright anyway. Let's see what you got with this team. Let's see who's going to be prepared to give up maybe one of their other assets. And uh, Sam Presti, another guy, doesn't tank. Refuses to tank. Okay, well, let, let me ask you one more thing about Chris Paul. He's, he's 35. They're going to pay him until he's 37 if he does stick around there. He may have found the fountain of youth. You yourself have found the fountain of youth. <laughs> Are you perhaps projecting yourself upon Chris Paul? <laughs> well, I think uh, you get better with uh, wine. Uh, <laughs> like a fine wine we all get better with age okay. well you do get better with wine actually too Okay, on the dance floor especially uh, um, that's fine you made your case Trey Kirby uh, why, why should the Thunder be sellers oh Mr. Ellis I appreciate your commitment to supporting the Oklahoma City Thunder and their franchise and the surprising uh, season that they've put together so far and I think you would agree with me Mr. Ellis Mr. Mellis that a large reason the Thunder have been so good this season is because of Chris Paul, is because of Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Well, guess what? You can keep those guys. Have your cake and eat it, too. Nobody's trading for Chris Paul right now. They don't. The Thunder don't want to trade Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but there's a whole bunch of other, other guys. You're talking about how the depth doesn't make sense, Lee. You know what you don't need? Three point guards. Dennis Schroeder. Maybe somebody could be interested in him. Ship him out. Do you necessarily need Danilo Gallinari? I'm not convinced. The Thunder are 4-1 and one without him. Danilo Gallinari seems to get traded a lot. Perhaps there's a reason. Like you said, Lee, the assets are numerous. There's a whole bunch of picks coming from both uh, the Clippers and from the Rockets. There's a bunch of picks out there. But you need players. you got to have guys who are out there. So I can see moving a Schroeder, moving a Gallinari, perhaps even a Steven Adams. I don't know. He seems like a culture setter for the Thunder, so maybe you keep him around. But these are all guys who could be dealt to bring in additional players who help play out the string. Maybe you make the playoffs anyways, because I think we can agree that the Thunder are maxing out at a playoff series victory. I don't think they're making it to the conference finals. They're certainly not making it to the finals or winning the championship, but they've been a fun team for a team that continues to make the playoffs. I think you can sell some of the pieces and keep the big names. Have your cake. Eat it, too. Cake is delicious. You get better with cake. Goes with wine, yeah. <laughs> Steven Adams, you, you mentioned him, Mr. Kirby. Only 26 years of age. Why would you trade him? He's slowing down. He would be the least 
likely trade candidate for me if I was the Thunder, just because he seems like the exact kind of guy you want around with a young point guard and with an old point guard. He's going to help defensively. He's going to help on the glass. He's going to set monster screens. He's not going to require the ball, and he's going to be a good guy in the locker room. He's the guy I would most want to keep around if I'm the Thunder, but Gallinari to me, expendable. Schroeder, expendable. If there's somebody that wants to take on Andre Robertson's contract for the end of the year, that's fine too. As you can tell by uh, the trade deadline court and the ratings that we do on television, <laughs> I uh, I enjoy TV. <laughs> I enjoy making good TV. So I do believe the OKC could be... You don't watch other shows? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Just one show. Uh, I, I do believe that OKC could be a Cinderella story. And I think you could make money off it by making a movie. Michael B. Jordan, starring as Chris Paul, perhaps. You know? Let's think, let's think big picture here, Mr. Kirby. Let's think large. You don't want to trade away a Cinderella story. You don't want to trade away an epic trilogy, perhaps. There are other Cinderella stories out there, my friend. The Dallas Mavericks, a team nobody expected to be contending in the Western Conference. There's a real Cinderella story, not the franchise that keeps trading away all the MVPs. Now it's time for my ruling. I've had enough. <laughs> we've, we've got a lot of things to do here, and people want, people want fast-paced television. That's what I've heard. The Oklahoma City Thunder, they don't have to sell everyone, but they do have to sell the old guys. The OKC Thunder should be sellers. We're done here. Today's third case, number 3219, pertains to the Miami Heat, who at 26-10 and 10 have the third seed in the Eastern Conference. Miami's front office is never afraid to make a big move, but why rock the boat when things are going oh so smoothly? Trey Kirby thinks the Heat have enough pieces to be buyers at the deadline, while Lee Ellis thinks the opposite. They'll now state their case to the Honorable Judge Mellis. Let's see what we got here. Up next on the docket, the Miami Heat. I don't watch sports, but they have been impressive. Mr. Kirby, you believe they should be buyers. Please tell the court why. The Heat have been a fun team to watch this year. They have integrated Jimmy Butler to a degree I don't think that many people thought would be possible considering Butler's exits from his previous three teams. They have two All-Stars. They might not get two All-Stars this year, but in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they have two All-Stars. But unfortunately for the Miami Heat, that's not enough to truly contend. To me, their ceiling right now is making it to a conference finals, which is fine if you're a team that doesn't have a championship pedigree. You don't want to end up being the 2016 Heat, a team that surprised everybody. Then you roll with that team. Suddenly you're stuck as a good team who's not great. The team right now is good, but they can be great by moving a guy like Goran Dragic, who's already 33 years old, playing well, but has a contract that expires in the summer. An easily tradable contract. The number is not too big. The league right now is unsettled. We're not 100% convinced on any team being the single best team in the league, and that is the best time to strike. You could get a title that nobody expects. The 2015 Warriors came out of nowhere during an unsettled time with the league. The 2011 Mavericks came out of nowhere and surprised everybody won a title with an unsettled league. The time is now for the Miami Heat to make a move that puts them into the upper echelon of teams. They're right there. Teams or players love to come to the Heat, so uh, free agency won't be a problem for them. Retaining players won't be a problem for them. The culture is already set. Add another piece, and you're right there amongst the best teams in the league. I very much appreciate your historical examples you bring to the court here. Those Dallas Mavericks, a great example. Dirk Nowitzki led a team to a championship. That being said, we've seen what a Jimmy Butler-led squad has done in the past in the postseason. Mr. Kirby, I do believe you're from Chicago. I do believe you understand 
what Jimmy Butler, yes, I did my homework. You understand what a Jimmy Butler-led team can do in the postseason. Why do you believe this team could be different? Jimmy Butler hasn't shown his full skills since being in Miami. I have him as an all-star starter. I think he could end up as an all-NBA player this season, but he's still just shooting 27% from three, 43% from the field. Jimmy Butler himself could be a lot better, which then raises the heat ceiling, but you're right, Mr. Mellis. The Chicago Bulls with Jimmy Butler as their number one guy, they never went far. That's why you need somebody else there to help him. Bam Adebayo has been great this season. I don't think he is the creation guy that they're necessarily looking for. they got to have somebody else who can get a bucket when time is running down. Jimmy can do it, but there should be somebody else around who can help. Let me ask you one more thing. Those undrafted and second-round players who've been contributing, can they keep this up? I've heard this is a star-driven league. Are those guys going to be able to do it in games 50, 60, 70, and 80 that they've never played before? A lot of these rooks, these young guys, do they have what it takes to be NBA champions? Are you asking me if they have the guts? Do they have the guts, Mr. Kirby? I don't know if they have the guts. That's why you got to make a move. Find a guy who you know has the guts because once it gets to game 50, 60, 70, 80, and more importantly, 83, (laughs) you want to have somebody who's been there before. Duncan Robinson, you're shooting the lights out, kid but you're not Drew Holiday. Kendrick Nunn, you're having a great season. None of us had ever heard of you before this year. (laughs) Give me somebody who has a proven pedigree, Miami Heat style. A lot of names you mentioned. There's even more names. Deion Waiters, Goran Dragic, uh, Justice Winslow, who was untouchable before this season. Now he can be touched, apparently. Are all these supporter players going to be a part of this rotation in the postseason? Don't they have too many guys? Too many guys, too many pies, too many cooks in the kitchen. Get him out of there. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for a heat punt. Lee Ellis, why should this team be sellers? Well, Mr. Kirby sort of makes some points here for me. I, I, I think the Heat are a good team, playing much better than we expected, but they don't, they're not a legit contender. And I think one of the reasons is Bam Adebayo is a potential star, but he's not a confirmed star right now. And the Heat have to look towards next season where they can potentially land a legit star next to Jimmy Butler and become that real contender but they have to do that uh, in order to do that they have to offload some of these contracts that are sort of bloating their salary and their payroll for next season James Johnson has a 16 million dollar player option we know Dion Waiters is in a little bit of a strife their personal strife but if they can somehow offload him and his 12 million that opens up a little bit more space even Kelly Olynyk has a player option for 12 million dollars now if in order to are they going to sell those guys do people want those players you mentioned well they, that's the thing these sort of players with these player options didn't 12 millions I don't think that's too bad for a team to bring that on you know what I mean it's not like it's a big fat Kevin Love contract which I've already mentioned once or twice on this show (laughs) but the point being here that the Heat have these contracts that maybe they can just help facilitate another move for somebody else out there they can be that team that's like you know what we can take on a, a you know someone's contract for the remainder of this season, but if we can unload those ones for next season, let's look at some of the names, for example, who are free agents next season, who the Heat could potentially throw their big, big, uh, a big, big contract at. Thank and, you. Let's see this exhibit. Well, it's a big fat contract. <laughs> Anthony Davis is the prime free agent now. 
We assume he's staying with the Lakers, but the Pat Riley-led uh, Miami Heat might be able to sway him to come to South Beach. Brandon Ingram, restricted free agent, having a great season. He's going to get big bucks. DeMar DeRozan's also out there. Gordon Hayward, who also <laughs> flirted with the uh, with the Heat a few years ago. I mean, the main point I'm trying to make here is that if the Heat want one of these legit stars, they have to have the cap space available. And by offloading some of these other guys, the James Johnsons, the Dion Waiters, the Kelly and Linux, they're going to create that space for them. So I think right now they look at this season and they go, wow, this is going really well. Jimmy Butler is bringing leadership and none of that baggage that he's had in his previous stops in Minnesota and Philadelphia here. Let's get him another superstar around him and really see what this team can do while uh, keeping Bam Adebayo on our roster. So I think right now the Heat know they're going to make the playoffs. They're not going to win the championship, but they can really uh, turn an eye towards next season and beyond where they could really make a big, big splash. Well, you bring up their front office, and that brings me to a question I have about their front office, which is led by Pat Riley, who is getting on in age. He's going to be 75 soon, and he doesn't like to stand pat or, or, or step back at all. He likes to go for it. Do you not think that Pat Riley sees it as an opportunity right now while they're playing well, they're up in the Eastern Conference to go for it? See, I think a key uh, player in this scenario would have been the Chris Paul in OKC if things weren't working out there that he could have maybe tried to get him to Miami this season. I don't think that's happening anymore. So I think Pat Riley realizes this is pretty much the team they've got for the remainder of the season. Maybe they'll move a peripheral piece here or there, but they're not going to get that legit star as the, the way things are right now. I think that Pat Riley is then going to use his um, skills in the offseason to persuade players to come to Miami. It's worked in the past. I mean, he brought LeBron James down there, so that means Pat Riley can really bring anybody to South Beach. Thank you for bringing the heat, Mr. Uh, Mel- Mr. Mellis. I was going to call you Mr. Mellis. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, one last question. Uh, before we move on, Enrique Iglesias has been to Heat games. I know you like him. Why has he not done some sort of I can be your Tyler Hero, baby collaboration? <laughs> Are we going to see that in the future? I think it's in the works. Great. Yeah. Okay, time for my ruling. Uh, the Miami Heat. You guys made great cases there. I'm going to have to call my bailiff in for this one. Hmm. Can we uh, consult at the bench, please? Sure, that's, uh, <laughs> that's good. What do you think? Well, what do you think, I mean, what do you think about, that? about that? I mean, I like what Trey said, but Lee made some good points too. So <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you for that consultation. The Miami Heat should be buyers. How many more we got? One? Good. Here we go. We do have one more. We're wrapping up here shortly. Um, but as the courtroom sketch artist judge, uh, I just wanted to know if I've uh, captured Attorney Lee Ellis's <laughs> essence. <laughs> Am I close? Uh, yes. Okay. Sustained. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> just wanted to make sure. I'm a man of many hats. All right. Our final case, number 2121, pertains to the San Antonio Spurs, who find themselves just holding on to a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Lee Ellis says it's time to trade one of their borderline all-stars before the deadline, while Trey Kirby says looking to add a piece or two could keep their postseason streak alive. Let's hear the arguments. The Spurs as sellers. Mr. Ellis, do you legitimately believe the Spurs should be sellers? San Antonio Spurs are in a very interesting spot. Very rare spot. They could make the playoffs. Maybe they won't for the first time in forever. But 
it's one thing from going from a perennial contender to a pretender. And I think, sadly, that's where the Spurs have slipped to. And I think it's time for a shake-up. This team doesn't tank very often, but when it does, by God, it does it well. You have some players out there who would command still a, a reasonable asset in return right now. And that is their two borderline all-stars in DeMar DeRozan and Lamarck Soldridge. I should say borderline for this season. They've been uh, several-time all-stars themselves throughout their career. But a part of that shine has come off the San Antonio Spurs. And I think if you wait too long, you're going to realize that those guys won't bring you the return that perhaps you would like in the future. The future of this team is DeJounte Murray, is Lonnie Walker, is Bryn Forbes. I think the San Antonio Spurs realize that. And really, they have to try to now surround those guys with some younger talent, some better talent, and hope to grow and build through those young players a little bit like they did back in 1997 when they got Tim Duncan, number one in the draft. They realized they had to go right down to the bottom to start again. Well, this time they don't have to necessarily go right to the bottom. They can move on next season without having to give up too much of where they are right now. Unfortunately, every dynasty comes to an end. And I think for the San Antonio Spurs, their playoff streak that began in 1998 may end this season. Well, it began in 1998 with Greg Popovich taking the helm. Am I right about that? Well, he was there already. Yes. 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 He was in the front office the year prior, started making some moves, decided to get to the bench in that season where they were able to to drop off and, and draft Tim Duncan. Don't they owe a playoff attempt at the very least to Greg Popovich, who's nearly 71, Lee? Well, Greg Popovich knows a little bit about playoff success, and I don't think he'd be too disappointed if the Spurs decided that this was the season they they move on. As I said, everything comes to an end at some point. Popovich has five championships out of six appearances. He has the, the prestige as being perhaps the greatest coach we've ever seen in this league. One more playoff appearance really isn't going to change a whole lot about that and no one's going to say well he didn't make it in his last season so he's not the greatest coach we've ever seen instead people are going to say what a run it had to end bye pop we love you (laughs) see you in tokyo (laughs) let's go and have a glass of wine that's enough that's enough that is enough (laughs) enough wine talk in my courtroom you're a strange attorney <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kirby, why should the San Antonio Spurs be buyers? Mr. Mellis, I know you told us to be professional in your courtroom, but I have to I have to apologize for this gotcha moment. I must cede the floor to my colleague, the Southern lawyer. Ladies and gentlemen, we got ourselves a case. Now if I recall correctly. <laughs> The San Antonio Spurs don't make in-season trades. The last guy to get shipped out of San Antonio during the season is a man by the name of Nanda Dakala. That's right, Nanda Dakala. <laughs> so I propose to you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Is this the, the same accent? I'm just curious. <laughs> I figured off there for a sec. Hey, get out of here, buddy. I propose a mistrial. <gasps> what? Don't buy. Don't sell. Just stay. You don't have to do anything. You're the Spurs. You're going to make the playoffs. I know this guy, he used to be a Spurs fan. Something happened. Used to be a Knicks fan. Something happened. (laughs) Can't trust them. You can trust the Spurs. They always make the playoffs. They are in the playoffs right now. And guess what, Mr. Ellis? The San Antonio Spurs are 8-7 in their last 15 games. That's over 500, buddy. 
That's better than any other team that's contending for the Western Conference's eighth seed, the San Antonio Spurs. I, 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 I do not appreciate the word, buddy, you trying to intimidate anyone <laughs> in the courtroom. Carry on. Fair enough, fair enough, kind sirs. Kind sirs, the San Antonio Spurs, the kind Spurs, will be making the playoffs, and then in the summer is when they should get busy. LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills will then be going into the last season of their deals. DeRozan has a player option. He may or may not choose. The Spurs, they don't need to get out of their comfort zone. You're going to make the playoffs for Greg Popovich. The thing you should be buying is bought out guys. Find somebody who can help you play defense. They're 22nd in the league in defensive rating. They need somebody out there who is committed to the defensive end who can help them get a stop when they absolutely need it. I think the Spurs are doing okay. They haven't been the Spurs that we're used to. They don't look like the Spurs that we're used to, but they're still getting results. You can't count them out. I rest my case. Objection. (laughs) Yes, Mr. Ellis. No, they they say that in the court all the time, don't they? I just wanted to say it. Mr. Ellis. (laughs) Objection. Your professionalism is lacking He's right making now. a mockery of the court. <laughs> well, Who can't handle the truth? Well, well, Mr. Kirby, you shouldn't be calling me Mr. Ellis. I am the honorable ah, Mr. Mellis. Judge Mellis. And for that, it's time for my ruling. And for that reason, Mr. Kirby, I can't believe I'm saying this, but for the first time in the history of the trade deadline court, like Lisa Loeb, the San Antonio Spurs should stay. This court... <laughs> Is adjourned. <laughs> that brings today's session to a close. I'm J.E. Skeets, thanking you for joining us and reminding you, if you're ever involved in an NBA dispute, such as the ones you heard here today, and you just can't seem to work it out, don't resort to taking matters into your own hands. You take them to the Trade Deadline Court.